This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. Indeed, it is New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell, and so glad to be with you today. Coming up on the program, we'll give you a COVID-19 update. We'll visit with John Harrington, the state of Minnesota's public safety commissioner. And, of course, words to the wise. All this and more on New Beginnings, and our program gets underway right now. Public Safety Commissioner John Harrington joins us this morning. And I was just noticing, Commissioner, last year in the state of Minnesota, we had at least 21 victims of domestic violence. People lost their lives, 20 women and one man. How does the state can even start to address itself in public safety to stemming the instances of domestic violence? Good morning, Freddie. It's great to talk to you again. Uh, congratulations again on your Hall of Fame. Uh, it was great seeing you there. Um, on, a, so on that chilling note, though, um, I think what the state has done is we've leaned in on a lot of different directions. Part of this is supporting victims and, and listening to victims and providing housing and providing uh, reparations money and also support or reimbursement money for crime victims. But what I really believe in is that what most people really want is to prevent bad things from happening. And that's part of why the, the state, Department of Public Safety, Governor Wallace has, has, has initiated this whole gun locks campaign that we started at the state fair and has continued and is getting great traction right now. Uh, it's, it's noble of me that over half of all the women killed in the United States are killed by an intimate partner with a gun. And in mm. 2021, here in Minnesota, 11 of the 20 women that were killed were killed with a gun. Um, guns are the tool used by domestic violence offenders, by by batterers, to, to end the lives of their loved ones far too often. And I think the state can do more to help prevent that from happening by helping good, responsible gun owners secure their guns. Uh, because guns don't secure themselves. People do. So tell us about the state's program with their gun lock campaign. How does that work and how can we access it? Well, it, it's really very simple. We, we, what we really thought on, this is Tom Smith, my the old chief in St. Paul. He's now my assistant commissioner for law enforcement services. The idea was prevention. Uh, how do we stop the easy access to a loaded firearm? And so when we think about gun violence, we think about murder, obviously, um, and we think about gun-related suicide, 354 last year. And I think very particularly about the seven children under 10 who got a hold of their adult's firearm and killed or injured themselves. The youngest one, as I recall, was just over two years old. So restricting access to a loaded firearm is just one strategy. We gave away 23,000 gun locks at the Minnesota State Fair. Wow. Uh, and we've been providing them to police departments all over the state. Starting out with Rochester, actually. I think the, the day before the fair, we started out with Rochester. But from Rochester to Bemidji, uh, Minneapolis Police Department is going to get gun locks. St. Paul Police Department has already gotten gun locks. And then... More close to home, the Black Ministerial Alliances, uh, the African American Leadership Council, they've asked for and have been given gun locks to hand out in their community. Because one of the things we know, and it's one of those really, I think it was a startling statistic for me, of the shooting victims in Minneapolis this year, mm-hmm. 83% of them are black. 
That's wow. 59 black people who have died tragically from gun violence. And I don't think that number gets gets added in as we start thinking about the, there's 71 murders. But when we start actually breaking that down rate by race statistics, we see that there's a disproportionate victimization of black folks from gun violence. So talk about uh, what the state is doing in partnership with a number of partners across the state of Minnesota, especially here in the metro, to stem the violence. You just mentioned that to stem the violence in our communities, uh, either at the hand, either with guns or knives or people just not getting along with each other, particularly in downtown Minneapolis. Well, there's, there, there are a couple of different strategies, and what we pitched last year to the legislature was that we wanted to do prevention, intervention, and enforcement. And on the prevention end, the gun locks are one part of that. <clears throat> on the intervention end, we are working with groups like Violence Free, uh, DAP, uh, the Domestic Abuse Project, uh, St. Paul Intervention Project in St. Paul, Women's Advocates, to make sure that women and the men in their lives and their families have access to safe housing, counseling, legal services, and so we are working on intervening in the lives of folks that have domestic violence issues. And then on the enforcement end, the state has leaned in. Uh, the BCA has about 10% of all of our state detectives working on gun violence and homicide cases in Minneapolis. Uh, um, not too far from you, we've had some tragedies involving children, like Anaya and others, and the BCA has been working hand-in-hand with Hennepin County and with Minneapolis to try and bring the folks that commit those horrible crimes to account. Um, we've had some great success. We're, we're getting guns off the streets. We're taking serious repeat bad guys off the streets. We are uh, building long-term cases to make sure that we can work together. And then on top of that, as I said, I still believe in prevention. And so on top of that, right by your offices, perhaps you've seen them periodically, uh, we've asked the Minnesota State Patrol to do high-visibility patrol in conjunction with, with MPD. Uh, so you'll see the maroon and gold driving up and down Broadway and up and down Lake Street, uh, trying to add an additional layer of support. And occasionally, if you look up, you may actually see the State Patrol helicopter because we been using that helicopter to stop both the street racers, but also we believe that it's a safer way of stopping a bad guy who's decided to take off on the run. Um, it's not easy work. We've had troopers shot at. We've had we had some real we had some real tough cases to work. But we are working together with the Minneapolis Police Department, with Hennepin County, and with all our other community partners, uh, churches like Shiloh and others, to try and make sure that we have not missed any opportunity to intervene to make people's lives safer. It's a complex issue, everyone. We're talking with State Public Safety Commissioner John Harrington. And I have to share with you a letter that we received just about a month ago from an individual, and it harkens back to the see something, say something. This individual overheard a telephone call, a FaceTime call, where the individual was talking about uh, purchasing weapons, AK, uh, whatever the name of it, 15, 40, I'm, I'm not sure, Commissioner, but it was an AK something. And uh, as the call went on, the individual said, well, just come to my house and you can buy it there. And he says, well, yeah, because I want to add to the arsenal that I've got right now. A call was placed to uh, 911 non-emergency, and the response was, it said, it's not illegal to own a gun, so we're not even going to take a look at that. How does that fit when we hear it? The words, if you hear something, say something, but nothing was done when someone said something. What, what 
that fits into, unfortunately, is a, is a, a scenario that we were all too familiar with, with the, the drop in the staffing model at MPD. And, and I think if that was a Minneapolis case, that would make more sense. But I will tell you, though, is that we're working together with, uh, for example, the Attorney General Keith Ellison to make sure that straw buyers and uh, businesses that sell guns illegally are held accountable. Uh, because we do know that there is uh, ghost guns and guns without serial numbers and sear switches, which make uh, semi-automatic handguns and, and pistols into full auto uh, operations. We know that that's happening, and we are, in fact, doing the investigations. We're partnered with ATF, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms folks, and so um, I hope that that, that caller uh, doesn't feel dissuaded from continuing to see something, say something, and then when it's appropriate, do something. Because I really do think that's the that's the what we have to do together if we're going to solve this this gun violence problem. It's a conversation I've had um, repeatedly. Uh, I've been working with Interfaith Action uh, with Nicole Archibald, who works for me. Uh, but we had. 911 church members who have come together to talk to us about a vision of public safety, and it's a vision of public safety where police and community are working together to solve problems. It's amazing how complex public safety is. And and final question this morning, or even just a statement, Uh, I know that the staffing levels are down in both major communities here in the state of Minnesota, Uh, but you do have some opportunities to join DPS. We absolutely do. Uh, we are hiring. Uh, State Patrol is hiring. BCA is hiring. DVS. We have we have lots of jobs here at the state of Minnesota. We you can learn more about them at dps.min.gov. Um, and also on the gun locks, if folks are interested in getting gun locks, as I said, we gave twenty three thousand away. We're still giving them away through police departments. You can call us or email us at safe and secure. MN.org, and we'll send you three free gun locks uh, to your home. So if you couldn't make it to the fair and you can't make it to your local police department or you can't make it to your local church to, to get a gun lock, uh, please do not feel shy. We think the gun locks, and this is something Thomas Smith has said to me repeatedly, the gun locks are a great asset for keeping guns out of the hands of a child or keeping someone who's bent on suicide who can't call 988 uh, quick enough. But What really is important in this is the conversation that you and I are having and that we hope that the community will have around responsible gun ownership and how we can lock up guns and save lives. All right. Saving lives, safe and secure, mn.org for the gun locks up to three, as the commissioner says. And also you can learn more about opportunities at uh, the DPS at dps.mn.gov. Do you have a final thought for us this morning, John Harrington, police commissioner or safety commissioner? (laughs) <laughs> uh, what, I'm, still, I'm still seeing you as the chief of police in St. Paul. I'm, I'm way back there. Uh, well, I, that, uh, there are days I, I still remember that very fondly. Uh, what I will say is, and this is a conversation we've had with the, with Interfaith Action, uh, is we've been talking about the beloved community, uh, and that really has been a community conversation with, with members of the faith community, and I really do believe that we all have a responsibility to work together if we're going to ever achieve the beloved community. And that beloved community is a community where we all feel safe. And a beloved community is a place where our kids can go out and play and where our elders in the community can walk down the streets without having to, to listen uh, for that sound of gunfire in the mm-hmm. background or to look over their shoulder because they're in fear. All right. Well said. Thank you so much for being with us. John Harrington, Public Safety Commissioner for the state of Minnesota, joining us this morning. Have a great day, sir. Always pleasure, sir. 
Hi, everyone. It happened this week. Inventor Thomas Edison died at the age of 84 in 1931. He was known as a wizard of Menlo Park. The great genius held more than 1,300 patents, including those for the phonograph and for the incandescent electric lamp. It was in 1969 when Lou Alcindor made his NBA debut, scoring 29 points and pulling down 12 rebounds in a 119-110 Milwaukee Bucks victory. Alcindor later changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it was in 2019 that NASA astronauts Christine Cook and Jessica Meir were the first to take part in an all-female spacewalk outside the International Space Station. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. In today's world, we really need words of encouragement. Introducing Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Let your mind be opened by the wisdom of thought. Let the inspiration of the words feed your mind, body, and spirit. Regardless of the issues you face each day, Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell can help you power through. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell, a handy reference, available on Amazon, freddiebell.com, and Barnes and Noble. And now, our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. WRP Minnesota and Pollen are are excited, as I understand it, to announce their latest class of the fifty over fifty. What is fifty over fifty? Oh well, Freddie, this is a very esteemed list of individuals who are really disrupting those myths about aging, right? I mean, hey, I will I will fully admit I turned fifty uh, two months ago, and you know, fifty is not what it used to be. And this is a list of people from the community who are making a difference in the nonprofit community, the arts and culture community, uh, community building, business community, and again, just those disruptors who are really. Changing the idea about aging, and Freddie, we are so thrilled that you are being honored as one of our fifty over fifty honorees this year in the nonprofit category. Oh my gosh! So, uh, um, how does this all happen? How does this? How do you? How do you select the nominees who eventually become a part of the fifty over fifty class? Yeah, so we partner with、uh, Pollen Midwest, and we start those nominations early in the year, reaching out to all of our contacts、uh, all across the community, asking people to nominate those individuals who truly are making a difference through their courageous, compassionate, and selfless acts of service.、Um, and we have a selection committee who pours over all of those nominations, and it, really, it is the cream of the crop. And these are just folks who are, you know, movers and shakers. And truly making a difference,、uh, no matter what their age is. Well, I w- do want to say thank you to AARP and Pollen. I see that you're calling me an, an airwave activator. Did you happen to just create that category? <laughs> <laughs> well, we try to come. Yeah, we try to come up with some, you know, creative ways to describe people. But、uh, you know, Freddie, you are you are so much more than a radio host. You are an MC, a motivational speaker, an author, a racial justice activist, a mentor. You know, you were just inducted into the Minnesota Broadcasting Hall of Fame in 2021. You received the Changemakers at Home Award from the Minneapolis Department of Civil Rights, and I mean, you truly are a voice of and for the people. But I think this part of your nomination really says it all, and I think could be applied to lots of folks、um, who are on this list. But as an author of Words to the Wise: A Guide to Daily Living with Inspiration, and I'm making a note. I need to read that.、Um, Freddie is always upbeat. 
seeking to create positive change and share his gifts with the world. And that is that is uh, that is high praise, my friend. Wow. Okay, so let's go on to somebody else. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much. So you got 50. Who, who else would you like to highlight this morning? Sure. Well, um, we in the disruptor category, Dr. Joey Lewis, uh, after a distinguished career, career in higher education, Dr. Lewis stepped away to focus on her own wellness and healing in the community mm-hmm. um, and really aiming at that, you know, specific trauma, stress and challenges that that black and brown people experience. And so um, for her work in that field, um, she is being honored. Um, we have, uh, let's see, Michael Clever Diggs uh, in the arts category. So a leader and instructor with the Minnesota Prison Writing Workshop. So mm-hmm. helping people um, cultivate and elevate their power, uh, their voice through literacy. Um, it's just a tremendous, tremendous list. I mean, it goes on and on. Wow. But folks can learn more about that at 50 over 50 MN. We have the whole list published uh, as well as information about the upcoming celebration. So when is the celebration? Yes, it is October 25th from 4 to 6.30 p.m. Uh, We are hosting that uh, celebration for honorees at Quincy Hall in Minneapolis. Um, Anyone is open to attend. We do ask that you register. Um, Tickets are only $10. Um, Honorees are free, of course. Um, But uh, tickets are only $10 because we do want this to be a community event, and we don't want that to be prohibitive for people to attend. So, again, you can get more information on the dates, times, location, and register at 50 over 50 mn.org so that's 5-0 over 5-0 mn.org and i'm glad Correct. that uh, you're letting me come this it should be a lot of fun that night oh uh, we're honored to have you it, it's going to be a great event kathy mcclear the state director and the esteemed state director i should say for aarp minnesota so exciting every time we get a chance to connect uh, we don't do it often enough thanks for being with us this morning well, thank you for having me. Joining us now is Michael Osterholm, professor and director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, also known as SIDRAP. Just in the last several days, people have been receiving letters saying that the temperature a vaccine received was either too cold or too warm, consult with your doctor. Uh, How does this impact, how serious is this, and will people have to go back and start the regimen of the COVID vaccine all over again, Dr. Osterholm? Well, good morning, first of all. Thank you for having me again, Freddie. It's always good to be with you. It's our pleasure. Um, The importance here of this uh, letter is, is that we monitor very, very closely the temperatures of these vaccines to make sure that they stay fully potent, meaning that they are going to have as much uh, uh, power to uh, develop the immune response in your body uh, as possible. And if the temperature holding time uh, actually gets too high, or uh, in this case too high, then it's a problem in the fact that it could have lost some of its potency. And occasionally, just like everything that happens in supply chain management, whether it's groceries or anything else, sometimes it, it's not handled the way it was supposed to have been, but the system detects that and picks it up, which they did here. And so in that case, um, it doesn't mean that the vaccine you got is going to work, but uh, that this is why it's important to talk to your clinician, your doctor, 
about do I need to get an additional dose? And in some cases, I think that that will be the case where they will recommend just let's just do this again and make sure that you get the, the full protection of the vaccine. So in the, what, what happens in the case of those who've had the booster? Uh, should a second booster be okay with the old? Yeah. Okay. Or do you go with the Right, bivalent? so this won't be a problem in that the fact that, you know, uh, given which of the shots were the ones that, uh, and this has all been very recent. So in this sense, uh, this is more a matter of the most recent booster dose. You just get one more, and, and but that, again, will be left up to the doctor and to the individual seeking the information. This was not a wide, widespread problem at all, but it's one that uh, we just want to follow up and make sure everybody gets full protection. Is this a uh, comment on the satellite uh, clinics that have been set up to give people boosters, or should we, is this a lesson to go to your doctor? Does this say anything about that? Yeah, well, in this case, your clinician, you can go to the site actually, too. When it says go to your doctor, all of these sites are run under the authority of a doctor. Mm-hmm. So that, in a sense, that that is what you want to do is just make sure you check with the clinic where you got the vaccine, and they can give you the appropriate instructions in. Last week, you mentioned seeing spikes in COVID in Europe, hospitalization and deaths yeah. were following. Uh, is that a precursor to what could be happening in the United States this fall and winter? Well, you know, Freddie, you and I have been chronicling this pandemic for a long time. We have. These, we uh, have. these wonderful discussions here with you. And, you know, as you've heard me say time and time again, I don't know. Um, when In the past, when we've seen increasing cases in Europe, that was, in most instances, a harbinger of things to come here. Uh, we do know we have these new subvariants that are much, much more likely to evade the immune protection, meaning it's not going to work as well from previous vaccine doses, as well as even having been previously infected itself, uh, the immunity that occurs with that. And so we're in really uh, what I guess I would say a wait-and-see attitude right now where we hope that what happens here in this country is not a repeat of what we're seeing in Europe, but we don't know that. And as you've also heard me say many, many times, hope is not a strategy. Right. So that we are going to have to follow this carefully and, and let the public know what's happening. Uh, in, in some cases, they've seen over a 600% increase in hospitalizations in the United Kingdom in England in just the past week. With your work as an epidemiologist, you've seen uh, different diseases all around the world. And I'm just interested, <laughs> interested in the human psyche. We see that uh, restrictions have been redu- relaxed across the country. People are not wearing masks as much. Uh, there are more people who have been vaccinated. Uh, why, what is it about the human psyche that people see these results, yet they're not taking the vaccine? You know, it's an issue of where I think at this point people are tired. They think that the pandemic's over. Uh, and in their mind, that's all they need to do is justify that. And, you know, we as a society take risky behaviors all the time, unfortunately. And uh, it's kind of our way of measuring inherently, do I want to do this or not do this? What's the likely hap- what will happen good, what will happen bad? And I think most people with the vaccines have come to the conclusion that they're not necessary, one, because they've already been vaccinated with enough doses or they've already had infection. And then there's just some that don't believe that the vaccines work, that they may even be dangerous, which, of course, we know is not not the case in terms of for the majority, you know, for people who get vaccinated. But so this is something we've been dealing with long before COVID. You know, the the inability to get people vaccinated, whether it's for measles, whether it's for polio, 
any number of things. But now people are just tired and moving on. And as I've said before on this show, you know, the, the uh, population is largely done with COVID. Unfortunately, the virus isn't done with us yet. All right. Doctor, thanks so much for being with us again. Anytime. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. It's our pleasure. Bye-bye. Get the most from AARP, including advice and support to help you care for your loved ones. Fraud prevention with tips and tools to help protect you from scams and fraud, including a free helpline if you've been targeted, a scam tracking map, and watchdog alerts via email through the AARP Fraud Watch Network. If you don't know AARP, you don't know ARP. More information at AARP.org. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and now it's time to talk finance with Libel Sternbach. Libel is an Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. We've been talking about annuities. And I'm just curious, Libel, why do some advisors love annuities and why do others just stay way away from them? So I think it's a misunderstanding. At least that's my take on it. I think it also has to do with who their clients are. And I think annuities have gotten a bad rap over the years and insurance products in general because of this thing that we were talking about earlier of calling them investments. Because when you call an insurance policy an investment, then automatically it's not going to win out against any other investment. And technically speaking, you can replicate everything that an insurance product is doing with investments for cheaper and get better performance. So if you're telling me that this is about just growing my money from, you know, a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand or participating in the stock market, then there's so many better ways to participate in the stock market and protect against, you know, the downside than an insurance product. Um, so I think that what happened is, is that, you know, insurance agents were went out and, you know, they did a really good job of selling, you know, annuities and insurance products. And, you know, it works really well when the market is volatile because nobody wants the mar- you know, uh, the downside of the market. They want the upside. Right. And insurance is really great at like selling that. But when the market is going up on a roar, right? Like we've been the longest bull market in history, 14 years, right? Just keep going and going and going. Um, insurance has, uh, it has a tough time keeping up, right? Because you have the cost of insurance, right? You, you got to pay for, there's a death benefit in there. So you're paying for that. You're paying for the salesmen, right? Multiple salespeople involved. They're all getting paid out of that internal expenses. You still have, right, that the fact that this is multiple accounts and multiple crediting strategies. So there's a lot of complexity that goes in there. And there's no transparency, right? There, There is no transparency as to what expenses are happening and why those expenses are and whether you're getting a good deal or not. So what ends up happening is the insurance company takes a lot of money on the inside. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, right? Because they're going to pay out your annuity payments or your life payments or whatever it is that you're going to get as a benefit. So it doesn't really matter what the expenses are internally. But when you look at it as an investment, it looks like an expensive investment, right? And so there are people who just look at that and they cringe and they're like, hey, this doesn't make any sense to me. 
But me, as someone who's been on both sides of the world, I look at this and I go, well, first of all, I'm not really investing in this for investments, right? If I'm going into an annuity, it's because I want those contractual guarantees. It's because I want the other things that an annuity or an insurance policy or an insurance company can provide that you can't get on the open market, right? Like a death benefit. You know, you get an annuity and it could have a death benefit on it so that um, or a, a, a universal life policy or a whole life policy and it pays, you know, a million, 10 million, whatever on death. And that's something that that's a lot of money. Right. And no investment in the world can necessarily replicate that. And the reason why an insurance company can do that, because most people, their insurance policies lapse. So they're able to give these really great deals, which as an investment is really great. Now, of course, you're dead, right? So you're not the beneficiary of it. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, but it is a really great deal when you just look on the return on, a, on capital. Is that the only time an annuity is really good for someone in their investment package? There are- no, 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 no. Um, so what I really love annuities for, one, so one is that I like for the peace of mind aspect. Right. Mm -hmm. There are people who they just, you know, um, I'll see these people and, you know, their social security covers, you know, let's say 70 percent or 60 percent of their income needs. And then an annuity could provide the rest. Right. Or it can provide the vast majority of their income needs in retirement without taking a huge chunk out of their retirement savings. So when you have someone like that. Right. It's like and they're and they're, you know, jittery about the market to begin with. Why not just take the risk off the table? Right. It's not always about the absolute return and what's going to get you the best value. Sometimes it's about just enjoying your life. And that to me, there's nothing in the world that can really, you know, give you the same kind of peace of mind that an annuity can. Uh, There are ways to structure investments, but. You know, even with investments that are structured the best way possible, at some point in the back of your mind, you're going to be wondering, you know, what happens if the market tanks? What happens if something goes really horribly wrong? Will it be there for me? Whereas with an insurance company, I've never had anyone really say to me, I'm afraid that the insurance company is going to go out of business. Interesting. Are there differences between annuities if I'm going to like there are with life insurance, a mutual of Omaha or a state farm. Are there differences like that with annuities as well? Yes. They, um, the annuities come in every flavor of the rainbow, right? Like they're the, and, and these are individual contracts. So what you get is not the same thing as what your wife will get or what your neighbor will get, right? Everyone's contract is different. So what really matters is what are the riders in there? What are the benefits that you're going to get while you're still alive? There are things that, again, insurance companies are trying to gather those assets, right? Everyone in the financial service world, other than the fee-only planners, um, the people who you pay hourly, other than those people, everyone is trying to get a hold of your assets because they make money by holding on to your assets, right? And the insurance companies are no different. They make money by holding on to your assets, even the car insurance company, by the way, right? Everyone except for Geico, the, uh, their car insurance companies, they make money by investing your premium, not by making money off of your policies. So this is all just an asset gathering game for them. And that means they're going to give you things, incentives to give them money that you couldn't get on your own. And one of those things I really like are long-term care policies. 
right? That they'll pay huge amounts of money to long-term care facilities that you couldn't get as a policy on your own. It would be unaffordable or just unavailable. And that's, we were talking about unexpected expenses in retirement. Long-term care is one of those unexpected expenses that, you know, we don't think about, but if it's something that there's a high chance that we're going to need at some point in our life to rehab, you know, from a slip and fall or something like that, or we may need a home health care worker to come, or we may need an extended stay in a long-term care facility, or we may just need someone to take care of us for those last few years of our life. And that is really, really expensive. And having your insurance policy be able to pay for that and pay a large portion of your death benefit towards that is incredibly helpful, right? To me, that like gives you a huge amount of peace of mind in your retirement plan because you now know like, okay, I have this small amount of annuity payments coming to me every single month. I have this potential, if I ever needed this pool of money that I can tap into to pay for these enormous medical expenses that would bankrupt me if I had to pay for them. And guess what? Whoever dies first is going to get a sum of money that's going to help them, you know, uh, pay for the difference in social security benefits because your social security is going to go down, right? As soon as one person dies in the relationship, your social security benefit decreases and you're going to need to make up for it because your costs are not going to decrease. Wow. So I, I see it as a huge planning tool that gives a huge amount of peace of mind when it's done for non-investment reasons, right? <laughs> on paper, return on investment, unless you're planning on dying and you want to see the return on that, which I do have a group of people who that's how they view insurance oh is I am investing in my children's having, uh, you know, uh, a death benefit. Uh, unless you're viewing it that way, it is not an investment, right? It is everything else. So talk about some of the mistakes, liable that you've seen people make with annuities. The biggest mistake is not shopping it around. Um, they feel like somehow they're going to hurt the insurance agent's feelings, which, by the way, you might really hurt their feelings because they're <laughs> non-professional and they haven't been in the industry long enough. Or they think that they've got the best policy. But guess what? I'm telling you this right now. They do not have access to the best policies. They have access to the policies they know about. Go shop it around. Go talk to as many insurance agents as possible. Um, also ask for what's called a low load policy. That means that the insurance agent gets, doesn't get such a high commission. They get a low commission amount, uh, which means more of the money is going towards you, but shop it around. Every insurance company specializes in a different type of risk. Every insurance agent specializes in a different type of client, despite what they'll tell you, because they'll all tell you that, oh yeah, I deal with people like you all the time, right? But they don't deal with people like you all the time generally speaking, right? They probably de deal with a certain sub-segment, which maybe you fit into that group, maybe you don't, but you won't know until you get the policy back and see, does it you know, work for you or not? And then go speak to someone else and see if you can get something better and keep shopping around until you feel comfortable that you've got the right thing. Um, and by the way, that's where a good fee-only planner will come in handy because they will help you look at those policies. And this is something I do for my clients, right? I look at these policies for them and I have an insurance agent license, but I don't sell insurance. And I'll look at it and I'll tell them like, you know, hey, this looks good. This doesn't look good. This is the assumptions that the person is making. I don't really like these assumptions, right? Um, but, you know, the, the numbers in the policy are still good even with the assumptions, 
um, and we help them make a good decision. But you shop it around. It's interesting. So that's one piece of advice. What other advice would you give someone who is considering an annuity as a part of their retirement package or their investment package? The other thing that you got to that you really got to consider is what if it all goes wrong? Right. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I see is that there isn't inflation protection built into it. Um, or the inflation protection that's built into it is inadequate. Um, so they'll, the agent will propose a policy that looks on paper to be really good, right? It'll say, well, you know, like the market's down, you know, 20% this year and it'll show like, okay, we're going to give you that bonus. And then you're going to have like this great sum of money when you retire, right? You're they, when you annuitize it. Except that sum of money isn't adjusted for inflation, right? So that's how they're able to show that great sum of money and that great return because it's not adjusted for inflation. So what happens, right? Inflation keeps growing, right? And it's going to keep growing because our economy is based on inflation. So 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you need a lot more money in order to continue living at the same lifestyle. But your annuity, which you've, if you've invested all of your money into that annuity, you have no more money to grow. And so now you're cutting back on your lifestyle because that annuity didn't have inflation protection built into it. Uh, so you really want to make sure that that inflation protection is built into it and that it's something that makes sense. The other thing I'd also say is don't put all your money in the annuity, right? There are some people that maybe won't have a choice, but I, if someone has to put all their money in an annuity, I would be very hesitant to do that because then you are really subject to the whims of the insurance company. And you don't know, right? There's too many, there are too many numbers that they can manipulate that you really won't know how the outcome will be until you're retired and you're living off of it. So you want to have something that's under your own control rather than under the insurance company's control. That makes a lot of sense. Libel, we're virtually out of time, but give us a, a resource to get more information about annuities. As always, on my website, yieldsforyou.com, I go in, in the Investing 101, Investing for Retirement. I talk about annuities as, over there. Uh, my blogs, I have uh, investing over there. The other thing I will also point you to, under resources, there's going to be a link to a low-load insurance agency that they will quote for you. They will answer any questions you have about insurance policies. These people get paid salary, not commission. So they will talk to you forever because it doesn't make a difference to them. <laughs> um, and they will answer all your questions. Uh, and they, they are some of the greatest people uh, I've dealt with. However, just keep in mind, the access to products they have is limited. So shop it around. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Libel. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Libel's website is libelonfire.com. That's libelonfire.com. And more New Beginnings is straight ahead. In today's world, we really need words of encouragement. Introducing Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Let your mind be opened by the wisdom of thought. Let the inspiration of the words feed your mind, body, and spirit. Regardless of the issues you face each day, Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell can help you power through. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell, a handy reference. Available on Amazon, freddiebell.com, and Barnes & Noble.
It's now time to welcome the Reverend James Stacy at Unity South Twin Cities. They have two services each week at 9 a.m. and at 10.30. The first is interactive and the second service a more traditional service. We now join the Reverend James Stacy as he begins a lesson entitled Unity, the Wonder Drug. We join that service already in progress. The Wonder Drug. There's so much talk in the media and the world about drugs and the detrimental effects. Then on the other hand, we have all of the miracle stories about the healings that have taken effect by helpful prescriptive drugs and other forms of cure. But this wonder drug that I've been talking about is very simply the activity of helping others and creating an other focus that is being able to shift, much like Holly's song just did, to shift our attention from our own beating heart to the beating heart in all people, becoming aware of the other, of others, and being able to create a focus in mind that sees others. Considerable scientific research is outlined in the recent book that I've been working with, The Wonder Drug, by Dr. Stephen Razavchiak and Anthony Mazzarelli. Let's look at their prescription for the seven steps we can take now. Now, we're going to have to take a fast jet ride through these seven steps due to the time we have to be together. But I have written in your bulletin insert that you'll find where my bulletin went, but the insert on one side, it speaks of our current food drive for Veep down in the lobby, and on the other side, it has these seven steps to take now. The first step is to start small. Don't you love it? Start small. The authors emphasize serving others, being altruistic, creating an other focus, does not mean giving up your current job. It does not mean selling your house and living out of your car so that you can put all of your assets toward helping others. That much of the benefit of which they speak benefits to our physical well-being, our mental well-being, our sense of purpose, our joy and happiness in life, can all be achieved through simple small steps we can make on a daily basis to help others, to support others, to share life with others. Adam Grant talks about the 100-hour rule. That's the number of hours per year one needs to devote to altruism to get benefits to one's health and well-being. That threshold holds up in scientific research that has been conducted in Japan, Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United States. In a longitudinal study, that means where they follow the participants for a considerable period of time, 
in a longitudinal study of 13,000 U.S. adults, it was at least 100 hours a year of volunteering that was linked with a reduced risk of death, physical functioning limitations, and also created higher physical activity, positive affect or emotion, optimism, purpose in life, and then decreased depression and loneliness. The authors of our book suggest not to do 100 hours in one week, but to divide it over the year, just as you wouldn't take a medication for the year all at once on one day. And if you divide that 100 hours a year over the course of the days of the year, it's only 16 minutes per day that you can devote towards serving others. That's a reasonable dose indeed. And there is support for the effectiveness of small doses of helpfulness. Research from the University of Oxford indicates that just a seven-day routine of small acts of kindness can actually boost happiness in measurable ways. So if you stick with it just for seven days, happiness may kick in for you by the end of the week. That's a pretty fast result. The second step in our prescription is to be thankful. Well, I think we know that already in we know that truth already in unity. Our longtime friend Loretta Taggart, whose life we celebrated yesterday, placed a strong emphasis on the power of gratitude. This book, The Wonder Drug, attempts to review scientific evidence for the power of gratitude to create measurable benefits in the grateful individual. Authentic Happiness author Martin Seligman came up with a practice called Gratitude Visits. Gratitude Visits. Think of someone for your pa- from your past for whom you didn't quite express sufficient gratitude way back when, and then pay them a visit to express it fully now. Seligman has found in his research that it increases happiness and well-being for both the giver and the receiver of the gratitude. Now, if you think it might be embarrassing for you and others to, excuse me, if you think it might be embarrassing for you and the other, consider this research from the University of Chicago. Participants were asked to write a gratitude letter and also predict how surprised, happy, or awkward the receiver would feel. Researchers then checked in with the recipients to see how they actually felt. The results were that the letter writers underestimated the surprise and happiness it would bring to the receivers and way overestimated any awkwardness or embarrassment the receivers might feel. In fact, the typical receiver in the study felt no awkwardness or embarrassment at all. 
your prescription, step two is to write at least one sincere thank you note or email per week and send it to someone who really deserves it. Now we're ready for step three. Be be purposeful. Purposeful. Australian psychologist Viktor Frankl wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, about his experience in the Nazi concentration camps. He found, from his own observation, that the prisoners who broke down and died most quickly had few commitments in their lives outside of those concentration camps. The ones who survived had something to live for, a commitment, a purpose outside the camps that gave them the strength to keep going. I really hope you're enjoying us this weekend on New Beginnings. And did you know that today is National Make a Difference Day? It brings people like you. It brings community service to a whole new level each year. Organizations join forces on the fourth Saturday in October to make a difference whether it's big or whether it's small. Millions of people have united in the common mission to improve the lives of others. For more than 20 years, USA Weekend and Points of Life sponsored National Make a Difference Day. It became the largest national day of community service. The event carries on thanks to many people like you who are like-minded in their beliefs in their communities. And all across the country, organizations pick up the tools required to help others during this weekend. Sometimes they pick another weekend in October. However, they do it, they do so making a difference in the lives of others and their communities. The expression of love for each other through support and good old elbow grease is sometimes all we need to make a difference. And here are today's words to the wise. Make a difference in someone's life. Today's words to the wise read, make a difference in in someone's life. You can find these words and more in my brand new book entitled Words to the Wise. You can find it on my website, freddybell.com or amazon.com for more information there. That's our show. Thanks to Reverend James Stacy from Unity South Twin Cities for stopping by this week with a wonderful lesson. And of course, I hope you got some great information from our COVID-19 update. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of our program. And you can reach me via Instagram, Freddie Bell Radio, on Twitter, at Freddie Bell, and of course on Facebook, Freddie Bell Radio Shows. And for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Freddie Bell saying that every day is a chance for a new beginning. Goodbye, everybody.